The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! You know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician trained in Britain, living in Canada, and who's worked in the U.S. Since retiring from medical practice, I've become an activist for family caregiving, which explains the name of the show, Family Caregivers Unite. Our topic today is oral health and Lou Gehrig's disease. Now, just a quick word about Lou Gehrig's disease, which is sometimes called amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, or ALS. And from time to time, I'm going to call it ALS, just because that's shorter. What ALS really is, is a devastating disease. People live it, living with it become progressively paralyzed until even their muscles of breathing fail. So that people with the disease die most often from failure of respiration and it's usually within three to five years from the onset of the disease. Now ALS doesn't affect the ability to see, to smell, to taste, or hear, or to recognize touch. Nor does it usually impair thinking, knowing, or understanding, though some people may experience problems with memory or decision-making, and it looks as though some people may develop a form of um, Alzheimer's disease or dementia. It affects, does ALS, people of all races, and all ethnic backgrounds. It most commonly strikes people between 40 and 60 years of age. It affects men more often than women, and it has no known cure or effective treatment. Now, to talk about oral health and Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS, today I have two guests, Felicia Vallo and Denise Burdum. And I'm just going to summarize for you first their bio, starting with Felicia. Felicia is a member of the Board of Directors of the ALS Society of Canada. She chairs the Advocacy Committee of ALS Canada. Her late husband, Sidney Vallow, battled ALS for three and a half years before succumbing to it in December 2008. Um, Felicia hopes to continue our, her husband's legacy of building public awareness of ALS and its impact on families living with ALS. She's passionate about sharing their harrowing journey, those are her words, living with ALS and her experience as a caregiver for her husband. Denise Burdon 
is a public health dental hygienist and a member of York Region ALS Outreach Program. She holds a diploma in dental hygiene from Algonquin College and a degree in dental hygiene from the University of British Columbia. She's a member of the Quality Assurance Committee of the College of Dental Hygienists of Ontario. That's um, a body which licenses dental hygienists in Ontario. And she's a member of the Canadian Dental Hygienists Association, the Ontario Dental Hygienists Association, the Ontario Association of Public Health Dentistry, and the York Region Dental Hygienist Society. So, welcome to the show, Felicia and Denise. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, now we're going straight into the question, starting with Felicia first. Please tell us more about your work with the ALS Society. Um, thank you for uh, inviting me, firstly, Gordon. Um, and uh, with respect to my work, I became involved with uh, ALS Society of Canada not long after my husband, Sidney uh, Vallow, died in uh, 2008. He had served on the board of directors of ALS Canada for several years after his diagnosis, and after his death, I felt compelled to preserve his legacy and to continue uh, to assist those afflicted with this um, fatal, debilitating disease. After all, my husband had worked so tirelessly to raise money for ALS Canada, as well as for the ALS clinic at Sunnybrook Hospital, all while he was losing his ability to move and speak. Uh, as you previously mentioned, I'm on the board of ALS Canada and serving as its advocacy committee chair. And our mandate is to raise awareness of this orphan disease and to advocate for those battling it. We're very much committed to raising much-needed funds for research towards finding treatments and ultimately a cure for ALS. Denise, uh, tell us more, please, about your life and work as a dental hygienist and how it brings you contact to contact with people with ALS. Uh, yes, Gordon. I have been a dental hygienist, registered dental hygienist in Ontario for the past 20 years. The first 15 years of that, I was working in private practice, uh, part-time mostly, while I was raising uh, a young family. And I have, after 15 years in private practice, I worked four and a half years in dental hygiene education in the last six months in public health. I have three daughters and a supportive husband. Um, I was always looking for something more throughout um, the years and looking for opportunities outside the box, so to speak. That's uh, what led me to working towards my degree in dental hygiene for volunteering um, with the Ontario Dental Hygienist Association, the Canadian, um, the College, sorry, College of Dental Hygienists of Ontario, and also our ALS outreach group in, in York Region. This group was started roughly in uh, 2000 by a fellow dental hygienist named Jane Waits who saw a need in the community when there was a family friend who became um, a um, had the ALS uh, condition. And then we started having meetings to try and organize uh, what we were going to be doing. And um, we developed a program where we would have two registered dental hygienists attend uh, visits to the client, whether it be in their own home or in a nursing home, if that's where they were, one who had experience, and uh, usually bringing along somebody newer to help as well. And once we all uh, 
had the experience, then we would have two of us out with the experience and share the, um, the visit. Um, my first visit was uh, seeing a client in a nursing home, and then there were most of the other visits were clients in their own homes in and around um, the Toronto area and um, volunteering and providing the dental hygiene services in the area. It's provided a chance to meet and work with many, many wonderful people over the years. Thank you. Felicia, back to you. Please tell us about your story as a family caregiver for your husband with the ALS. Um, I was the primary caregiver for my husband in the early and middle stages of his disease, although certainly my stepchildren were very involved as well. Uh, Taking on this role was a very deliberate decision on my part as I wanted to preserve our privacy and intimacy as a couple as long as possible. Initially, this involved assisting my husband with fine motor tasks, such as fastening buttons, doing upset zippers, and later driving him, assisting him with manual tasks, and ultimately feeding, dressing him, and taking care of all his daily needs while he was confined to a wheelchair. In doing so, I relinquished my role as wife in some respects as I mutated into a hybrid of a personal support worker, nurse, secretary, and along the way, advocate. Um, my husband was working as long as he, as he could, and we tried to facilitate that in every way possible. While doing this was gratifying in many ways, it was also excruciatingly painful for me to watch my husband lose function after function, all the while trying to maintain a composed and uh, we can get through this approach. So there were days, certainly, where I really didn't feel I could weather another loss or see him in that deteriorated state for another second. However, it was a really sad day for me when I had to hire professional caregivers to assume his primary care. While the illness drew us even closer in many ways, not being as hands-on created a distance, there really is no way around this in ALS, not only for the spouse, but for all family members. Yeah. Denise, I'm going to ask you now to say more about your contact when you were working with people with ALS and with their families. Please tell us more about the questions and concerns that the people, the persons with ALS, and their families brought to you or still bring to you. Denise? Okay, Gordon. Um, One of the first things that comes to mind is for the client who is quite used to regularly being able to go to their their dental office and, and receive all their dental treatments, and there comes a point where they're not able to get out and go to the dental office. Um, they just cannot get uh, there, and um, the family feel um, you know that the way they want to do something for them and, and provide that um, for the client themselves. They want to maintain their self-esteem and their dignity um, for someone who you know was used to going and having. Um, their, you know, professional cleaning in the dental office every six months to then not be able to get there. Um, you know, like you said, they, they're aware of, of what they're getting and what they're not being able to, to get and do anymore. Um, also, from the caregivers' uh, concerns that they're, um, sometimes they are afraid to brush someone else's teeth. You know, what if they do something wrong? What if they... You know, do, you know, use the wrong you know, aid, you know, toothbrush aid or, or, or oral hygiene aid to help with their their loved one, um, and even just being able to let them know that um, 
just don't worry. Any care that they can provide is, is better than none at all. And just go with what feels right and also go with the, the feedback that they're getting from the client. And um, another point was, um, you know, some some depending on the stages, they may not be able to open their mouth very wide. And um, at that point, when we're in seeing them, we let them know, well, we'll do what we can. We may not be able to do what we're used to providing as a complete, um, full cleaning, but what they are willing to let us do is as much as we'll do for them. Right. That so makes them feel good. Den- Denise, I'm going to have to stop you there simply because <laughs> we're going into the break, but um, we will carry on with this because this is a profound story. So as I say, it is time for us to pay the rent, which is what we have to do. This is Dr. Gordon Everly, my guests are Felicia Vallot and Denise Burdon. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay tuned. We will be back. With today's outside pressures and current realities, many of us are feeling a loss of control and freedom concerning our lives, business, and where we stand in society. But that can change. Tune in to The Power of the Human Connection with Chris Schultenover. Through the art of storytelling in authentic human terms, we lead you to true and honest realizations and collaborations to better your life and the lives of others. The Power of the Human Connection is heard live Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Terrence Rogers Show will take the world by storm. The topics are sometimes newsworthy, sometimes personal, as we explore fashion, entertainment, art, and more. Host Terrence Rogers has seen a lot of life experience in his few years of life. It's this experience that allows him to bring a fresh perspective to the table, and he holds nothing back. Tune in to the Terrence Rogers Show every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Kids channel. You'll laugh, cry, and most importantly, this show will reach out and touch your life. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Help, you know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at mymonami.com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite. And Felicia Vallo and Denise Bourdon, our topic is oral health and Lou Gehrig's disease, which we sometimes call ALS. Now let's talk about oral healthcare services and the needs for these um, for people and families with ALS. Felicia, please summarize for us the sorts of services that people with ALS and their family givers actually need, the sorts of services you relied on. Okay. Ideally, um, services for persons with ALS should be provided through a multidisciplinary ALS clinic where doctors such as neurologists and respirologists, um, in addition to paramedical and healthcare professionals, can plan, coordinate, and provide information about the many aspects and challenges of this condition. When I say coordinate, it should be coordinate care. Uh, depending on the course of the disease, um, people will 
ALS are going to require the services of a physiotherapist, occupational therapist, speech pathologist, physiatrist, nutritionist, nurse, assistive devices, technicians. I think you get to understand the breadth of, uh, of services they're going to need. However, in many clinics, access to mental health professionals, uh, apart from chaplains, is, uh, is less than ideal. So people um, often have to make changes to their home, so we need professionals who are going to facilitate that as well. Um, but most critical is, is the access to coordinated and integrated care. Uh, the ALS person's needs have to be identified in a timely fashion and continuously monitored and reviewed. Personally, one of the ways I coped was trying to be one step ahead of the disease by putting into place and learning to use whatever equipment we needed before it was actually required. As for caregivers, there are support groups available, although many people choose to find their own individual health care providers. Most important for caregivers is building in me and alone time and learning to ask for help from others and taking breaks. All hard things to do when you're in a state of pre-mourning and painfully aware of how rapidly this disease can progress. But I must stress that every family and person living with ALS is different, so there's no one-size-fits-all prescription for management and care. Right. Denise, let's go straight now to dental hygienists and dental hygiene. You were talking about the kind of questions and concerns that you discuss with persons and their family caregivers when they're coping with ALS. Now, let's go into the detail more about how dental hygienists help in that situation the person and the family caregiver. Okay, and one more point also then about the um, questions and concerns is, is even knowing what products to use, which oral care aids and devices do they need to buy and get and to be able to best provide for um, the client with the ALS. So the group I'm involved with, the volunteer group in, in York Region, like I mentioned earlier, we're a volunteer group and we were, we've been around for a little over 10 years. The need was seen by someone in our community. And since that, we've um, made up a package of how to set up a program, and there have been many requests uh, by through email across the country for getting that package, hopefully getting the program out to other areas around um, Canada. Now, what we can do when we, we arrive is um, we're... Um, bringing oral health care back to the, the, the client. Uh, we're able to, in Ontario since 2007, registered dental hygienists have been able to self-initiate their treatment. So in reviewing the medical history, if um, you know, we're confident that we are aware of, of the client's medical condition and um, the medications they're on, then we can go ahead and provide treatment. Um, so we can provide the treatment right there at the time, um, review any oral conditions with the family, the caregivers, what to look for, um, you know, as time goes by. Also, again, providing the instructions on using the oral hygiene aids that are best going to um, reflect the client's needs, so to be like a client-specific um, treatment. In providing the treatment, we, we do go through our um, assessment, assessing the oral cavity, the head and neck area, assessing the medical dental history, and also assessing the client's stage of ALS that they're in, um, providing a dental hygiene diagnosis, planning the treatment that we're going to provide, as well as implementing it, and being able to evaluate what we've done 
at the end of the appointment and also at other follow-up appointments. So being able to provide a full um, scope of practice for them as best we can with their needs. Right. Felicia, I'm going to ask you now, kind of leading question really, among all the services that you and your husband needed in your experience with ALS, how important then was oral health, um, of, obviously of your husband, and what services did you find most helpful and why? So I must say that oral health was not something that was stressed by any of the professionals with whom we met along the way. Having said that, we did consult my husband's dentist after the diagnosis to see if there was any reason to extract all of his metal fillings, but as there was no real evidence to support this, we didn't. Um, My husband had always taken good care of his oral health, so it made sense to continue, although when his condition worsened, uh, trips to the dentist were no longer possible. Um, I was especially concerned about the possibility of infection. So ensuring that my husband's oral health was maintained was critical. Uh, So in the early and middle stages of the disease, we were able to brush and floss his teeth. But when his tongue weakened, we had to begin using a hydropick to clean out the oral cavities. Brushing became more problematic as he could no longer swish water around in his mouth. And unfortunately, in the late stages, uh, when he was no longer taking in food orally, we used specially ordered dental swaps. Um... So while he didn't see a dentist in the last year of his life or a hygienist, uh, I'm pleased to say he experienced no problems related to oral hygiene. Um, So in my opinion, warding off infections in a systemic way is very important to ensuring that, uh, you know, the person with ALS has as many good days as possible. Fair enough. Denise, back to you. What do you think, in your experience, are the greatest family caregiver needs regarding oral health care in an ALS family situation? After thinking about that for a while, I I I would like to say that I I feel it's the reassurance to the family caregiver um, that it is okay to provide the oral hygiene care for them, um, providing them, as I mentioned, um, information on the condition, information on oral conditions, reviewing the techniques and aids that that are are specifically required by each client specifically for their oral care, and also reviewing and what what is the caregiver comfortable doing? Are they comfortable to help brushing, maybe not flossing? Reviewing techniques uh, with toothbrushing. Are they going to use a manual toothbrush or are they going to use a power toothbrush? With flossing, are they going to use um, floss holders, floss picks, any other aids. Um, as Felicia mentioned, there's like the foam applicator swabs and, and um, rinses, uh, fluoride rinse, or now there's more and more non-alcoholic rinses, um, alcohol rinses that are um, out in the market. So just being aware of what there is and, and what's going to help provide the best solution for, um, for the client. Felicia, back to you. You didn't have the services of a dental hygienist um, throughout. Um, This is (laughs) a tough question, but looking back on things and in this discussion, do you think one would have been helpful or was the work you did understanding infection and and combating it in the way you successfully did, was that in your view sufficient? What do you think? Uh, I think it would have been helpful um, because I think when you're... Um, 
caregiving for somebody with ALS, you want to make sure that you're covering all the bases, so to speak, and not overlooking anything. And because half the time you're so stressed, uh, you don't always have all your wits about you. So, you you know, it's, it could be easily overlooked, particularly when there are bigger issues looming. So, you know, I think it was my own particular bent that I've always been a bit of a, you know, micro, uh, you know, a bit of a germ phobe. So, um, you know, I was, I was, you know, fortunate, or my husband was fortunate that way. Um, but I think a lot of people could benefit from, from additional information about all of this. And it, it should be something ultimately that's worked into the multidisciplinary uh, team uh, approach at, uh, at clinics. Denise, back to you. Um, talk, a little, talk to us a little bit more, please, about the way in which dental hygienists might give education and training to family caregivers about how they themselves can help inside their loved one's mouth, so to speak. Um, generally, at a point when we're meeting with the, the ALS client and the, the family caregivers, we do take the time to bring along um, um, teaching tools, um, maybe it be a mouth model and a large, like a toothbrush model, um, literature, information, pamphlets that we can leave with them and just go through, you know, show them what can help, demonstrate it and have the caregiver also demonstrate back to us and, and feel free to ask any questions along the way. Um, just reassured that what they're, you know, demonstrating to us what they're practicing is what is, is what's expected, is what, is what they can do. Um, this is a, Again, to you, Denise, and it, it's another leading question, but how important do you think oral health care, dental hygiene, is in the condition that you see among people with ALS? And I'm afraid you've only got 30 seconds to answer that. Well, I was glad to hear Felicia mention about the concern about the, the oral um, care relating to the overall care, because that's one thing we always try and stress in, in the dental hygiene community is that the mouth is connected to the rest of the body, and if there is an infection in the mouth, it will affect the rest of the body. So we always want to be aware that if we see anything, to make sure that it's followed up um, as well. Perfectly fair. So I'm going to say uh, we do have to take the break once more. Um, this is Dr. Gordon Anthony, and my guests are Felicia Vallo and Denise Bourdon. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay tuned because we are coming back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Voice America Variety Channel presents a program like no other for those in the field and interested in the field of security and training. 
on America's front lines of crime and war with Victory Defense Consulting, hosted by J.J. Sutton. Here, listeners are learning about tactical skills and practices that support efficient, smarter, and more enduring skills. You will receive the most up-to-date information about the security and training industry with detailed discussions and select special guests each week. Tune in to On America's Front Lines of Crime and War, Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What is Take Two? Take two crazy hosts, put them in front of two microphones, and use your two ears to enjoy the fun. Times two. Take Two. We'll go back, way back to the favorite TV shows of our childhood. Your parents' childhood. Um, no. Uh, try again, Chris. Take two. We'll take you back to the favorite TV shows of our generation, past and present, and apply them to what's going on in our own lives. Trust us, it'll be a blast. Tune in to Take Two every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Kids channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com you know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at mymonami.com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite. And Felicia Vallo and Denise Bourdon. Our topic is oral health and Lou Gehrig's disease, which we also call ALS. Now, I'm going to talk, want to talk with you more, both of you, please, more about oral health care needs. So, Denise, kind of technical question for you. What are the risks to the person with ALS if oral health is not cared for properly? And are there any circumstances that you would regard as an emergency? And if so, why would they be an emergency? Denise? Well, um, first of all, there's um, for everybody, there's the um, risks in the oral cavity uh, with the bacteria that are present in our mouth uh, that it can lead to um, periodontal disease, to cavities, and to abscesses in the, in the mouth. Um, and with the client with ALS, um, they have, with their difficulty with swallowing, then there's excess saliva in the mouth, which is then holding excess bacteria in the mouth. So just being aware um, if any of these regular types of um, concerns, risks for, for, for everybody, and the emergency would lead into those, with those if there was any pain involved for the, for the client. Um, but overall, the excessive amount of saliva is also a concern, um, a risk of choking. Um, and as I mentioned, the increase in bacteria the emergency situation, I would feel, if I was to name one, would be with increased bacteria, the increased chance of uh, developing uh, bacterial pneumonia with their inability to um, swallow and, and uh, the saliva. And that also fits with the point two that the condition affects the respiratory muscles. It affects the mm-hmm. chest, doesn't it, in that way, mm-hmm. which increases the risk of you know what you're talking about, infection in the te- in the chest. Now, Felicia, I want to come back to the heavy burdens on family caregivers, which you've mentioned in various ways. What types of help 
does the ALS Society and similar organizations offer to families who are coping with these burdens? Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to speak about the Canadian system, although I, I do know that the American system is, is pretty, there are a lot of similarities between ALS Canada and ALSA. Uh, so with respect to ALS Canada, it's principally devoted to supporting research uh, towards a cure and building awareness of ALS. But it also supports the provincial ALS societies in their provision of care for people with ALS. And uh, specifically, they provide a comprehensive manual, which is now in its sixth edition, which is also available online. And it's extremely helpful in organizing personal health information and uh, providing detailed uh, information about the scope of the disease and uh, how to manage the care and cope with the rapidly progressing this, you know, rapidly progressing condition. The provincial societies also provide much needed equipment, either on loan or, uh, or for purchase, and support services. The cost of the illness, uh, in terms of equipment and care can be staggering. So financial aid provided by the provincial societies through their assistive, uh, through their ADP, assistive device program, is essential. The society also provides referrals for things such as counseling, for, for people with ALS and their caregivers and families. And in some areas, there are support groups, including peer support groups, and there are a few that are online. More is also being done to educate the medical community at large through online seminars and brochures. But ALS is really best managed when patients can be seen, as I said before, and followed uh, by an ALS clinic. Um, so many of the clinics in Canada are also now participating in clinical trials. And while there's no cure for this disease, this is providing some measure of hope. However, for most people, not living close to major cities, access to this kind of care can be a real issue and can compromise their quality of life. Yeah. Alicia, just a quick supplementary to you. You mentioned something called ALSA. Yes. I think I know what that means. Please, could you just say what you meant by that? It's um, the Association of ALS uh, um, Society of America. Got it. Thank you very much. Um, now, Denise, as you know, um, the stages, ALS goes through stages, mm-hmm. and that means that any kind of health care that's being provided must match itself to the particular stages. So please say more about the way in which dental hygiene is progressively provided to meet the needs of people at the various stages of ALS. Well, Gordon, um, what I found is that, you know, we as we go in and, and we assess where the client's at and, and what we're able to provide, um, it does vary according to what stage they're in. If they're fairly early, um, we're still able to teach them, them the client themselves, uh, in oral uh, hygiene care techniques. Uh, as well as the caregiver. Um, some caregivers are, are wanting to get more information up front in, in helping out, uh, um, as Felicia mentioned, knowing ahead of time and, and being able to have things before it's needed and having that uh, information and um, skill. Um, providing also early, we're still able to provide fairly regular care. And um, as they progress and I believe it was already mentioned as well, not everyone progresses the same. So, again, it's very client-specific in, in what we can do and how we how we deal with the client and, and with their own progression. Um, changes as far as um, who we're providing the 
um, oral hygiene care delivery to, whether it's the client themselves or the caregiver, um, whether the client is able to speak or not, whether they use like a communication board to help communicate with the caregiver through to us. Um, also, with their at the point where they have the excessive saliva, and they do have a, a, a suction unit in the home um, that will help us. Um, you know, if, if they have that, that we can suction as we work, and, and that's, that's um, something we're quite used to having in the dental office is their suction. Um, also, just reassuring um, the client and the caregiver with any of their questions or concerns that they have along the way, and uh, reviewing the oral needs again at a later stage, probably most more with the caregiver and what they can do for the client that at that point may be more unable to to help themselves with their or their oral needs and um, at later stages becomes a little more difficult um, and again client specifically what what we can provide whether it's information or um, some some other helpful aids that they can use to help the, the client in, in their oral care. Yeah. Felicia, you've thought more than once uh, about organization of services. Um, you know, where there's a clinic and people are able to get to the clinic, that sounds like an excellent uh, arrangement. On the other hand, not everybody in a landmass as big as Canada or the United States may be able to get to such clinics. So. Please, could you talk to us about the way in which you think dental hygiene, is, hygiene services or oral hygiene services should be organized so that they really do meet the progressive needs of people at the various stages of ALS? Well, I think, for one, uh, dental hygiene uh, needs to be discussed by the frontline professionals caring for ALS patients. And it, it certainly should be covered in all the um, materials that are handed out to caregivers. And I don't know that, that it is as extensively as it needs to be. Perhaps because there are so many weighty issues to be and decisions to be contemplated by the person living with ALS, um, especially around respiratory and end-of-life issues, dental hygiene, I think, may fall off the radar However, as we've mentioned before, the threat of infection for people with ALS is very real and can certainly have dire consequences if not adequately treated. As uh, Denise has mentioned, there can be a buildup of saliva which can impact oral hygiene and speech. So maintaining excellent oral hygiene can certainly assist in reducing this risk and we have to get that message out to everyone you know, in treating and, and caring for people with ALS. So we, you know, we personally learned that it was very important to maintain oral hygiene even when my husband was no longer taking food in orally. It really made him feel more comfortable and more himself. So ideally, dental hygiene should be worked into the comprehensive care program offered by clinic personnel. Denise, I'd like you to quickly respond to that. Um, how far down the road are you in dental hygiene, oral hygiene, um, towards that integration, that understanding among frontline professionals that oral hygiene really matters. How far down that road are we? Well, having just recently come out of the dental hygiene education field, I know that it's more becoming part of the curriculum is discussing interprofessional collaboration. So having you know a healthcare center where you do have multi um, professionals uh, practicing in a in a 
the same facility um, is something that we do see coming. I don't know how long it's going to take, and and um, but definitely something that is is on the radar, and um, it's being put in the minds of of the new uh, graduates as as they come out these days as well. Right. I'm going to ask you, Felicia, you would support the effort of Denise and her colleagues to get that message out to her colleague professionals in other disciplines, and I'm thinking of physicians, and I'm thinking of nurses, and I'm thinking uh, of the various other people who you mentioned uh, as part of the team. Um, you would be prepared, so to speak, to go to bat, would you, for Denise and her colleagues in regard to dental hygiene being seen as important, would you? Absolutely. And I think you've mentioned uh, all, you know, all the, the necessary professionals who need to be involved, and I would include speech pathologists as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the questions that we may get a chance to deal with, or may not, but if we don't, I'd just like to um, raise it, and that is that I think the, the organizations such as the National Society and the Provincial Associations, and also in the U.S., seems to me, uh, need to be, to some degree anyway, lobbied on this particular point because it does matter. You both agree on that. I think you both said it very well. And so in that sense, although they hear a lot and there's a lot that these organizations have to cope with in the way of input, seems to me that there should be a listening to dental hygiene. But maybe um, that's something that's going to happen anyway. But I think the pair of you supporting it would, uh, would be very helpful. Now, and that having lectured you, it is now time for us to go into the break again, which we will do. And then we're coming back um, to, so to speak, sort the system out in the way that we would want it to be. So let's take the break now. Time to pay the rent once more. This is Dr. Gordon Adley, and my guests are Felicia Vallow and Denise Bourdon. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. We're coming back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Tune into the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. 
stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast all the time the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts voiceamerica.com you know i need someone you are listening to family caregivers unite with dr gordon atherley if you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at mymonami.com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite. And Felicia Valo and Denise Bourdon. Our topic is oral health and Lou Gehrig's disease, which we also call ALS. Now, I want to talk about with you both, please, how well oral health care needs and associated family caregiver needs are understood and what needs to be done to enhance the understanding. So let me, let me ask you, Denise, how well understood by dental hygienists are the challenges that ALS brings, not only to their patients and clients, but also to family caregivers, and what more needs to be done to enhance their understanding? And what I'm really driving at here, Denise, is that fortunately this disease isn't all that common, and so it doesn't follow that um, a dental hygienist in, in his or her career is going to see very many people with this condition. So maybe there has to be some kind of pushing of the point, or does there? So how well understood generally, would you say, dental, how well do dental hygienists generally understand this challenge? How well do they understand ALS? I, yeah. I think that depend. I think that depends on their experiences. Having been in a community where you know we had the privilege of working with Jane Waits, who saw the need in our community, um, we've had the. I, with many others, have had the chance to have the opportunity to work with clients and work in this program, and volunteer with these clients. Um, not all registered dental hygienists uh, upon graduation or even after, like, as you mentioned, Gordon, after even maybe years of practice are really truly aware or understand what ALS is all about and what the needs are for the clients. Um, when involved with the group, uh, our outreach group, we've had guest speakers come in um, from the Toronto ALS office uh, and grief counselors as well um, in the early stages in our group formation. Um, we've also presented um, to ALS groups as well. Um, I was at one of the workshops, the day-long workshops at Sunnybrook Hospital a few years back and providing information and and um, talking to clients and their and their family caregivers as well, having the opportunity to do that. Um, the ALS Society, I, I feel also, um, you know, as well as dental hygiene, you know, reaching forward from our side, the ALS Society could approach um, the local, provincial, even federal dental hygiene associations to help share information, provide more communication opportunities, just basically get the word out and, and help in setting up more support groups. Um, maybe you know, articles and journals and, and things like that as well. Fair enough. Now, Felicia, it's the same question for you basically, but um, the people I want you to talk about are nurses and doctors, particularly those of those professions who work outside the hospital or the specialized clinic, but in the broader community. I'm thinking of um, nurse practitioners and I'm thinking of family physicians. How well do they understand the healthcare challenges that ALS brings 
to the patients and to the family caregivers. And does more need to be done to enhance their understanding? And if so, what is the more? Felicia? Well, it's really difficult to say, uh, especially since I'm speaking as someone who cared for a person with ALS and not as an expert in this area. But I'd have to say that based on our experience, the discussions about oral hygiene uh, focus principally on the management of saliva buildup and not on dental care or gum disease per se. So I think there's a need for, as we've mentioned numerous times, uh, further education, broadening awareness, um, and uh, and the like. Um, you know, it was, uh, in our own case, it was more me bringing it to the attention or managing it on, on on our own than it actually being a point of discussion by any of the doctors that we saw. Uh, I would assume, though, that given the expertise of these doctors that we were dealing with, uh, and again, they were ALS specialists, that they, they were very knowledgeable about it. But it's not something that really came up. Um, so it's very important for people with ALS and their caregivers to be aware of the many stages of the disease and to anticipate and plan for the next stages in collaboration with medical personnel. In short, you have to become a staunch advocate for yourself, uh, both for the patient and for the caregiver. Um, in our case, you know, for example, I was determined that my husband not have drooling problems, uh, which are not uncommon in ALS, and because we asked one of our doctors, he prescribed a medication when he first saw signs of problems in swallowing saliva. Uh, it ultimately proved to be very effective, and I'm grateful that we, we went down that road. But had we not asked, you know, we might have had to face it uh, in a de facto way. Um, so I think in the future we, we'd like to see more liaison between um, dental practitioners, nurse practitioners in, in ALS clinic and ultimately in, in the whole dental medical community at large. Right. Denise, what's the message that you would like to pass to family caregivers about the role of dental hygienists in helping meet the needs of family caregivers caring for a family member with ALS? When I say the message, this is your, what the, the point that you really want to make about dental hygienists to families such as Felicia's was and to a degree still is. Denise? Uh, I would say at any time that they have uh, any oral care uh, needs, um, don't be afraid to ask um, whether they, you know, reach out to dental hygienists at their dental office, um, if they contact um, a local regulatory authority or a local dental hygiene association asking to speak to a dental hygienist about this information about dental hygiene care services, any help or support that they're looking for. Um, also, you know, it would be handy if we, you know, had something maybe where websites were linked, um, ALS and dental hygiene associations and that. Um, for us, providing the local volunteer dental hygiene services is, is a gratifying experience, yet on a larger scale, um, nationally, for example, we still have room to improve um, the oral, oral care. Um, but, and it comes to at what... What situation do you go into? Who, you know, who, who pays? Is there insurance? Um, at some point, volunteer services um, may end up becoming like a billable business, and, and some clients with insurance um, that we've dealt with in the past have claimed dental hygiene services uh, to their insurance. Um, and it depends on the dental hygienist's um, 
you know, status and, and, and if she has a, you know, a billable unique ID number and that kind of thing. But trying to work out at, you know, at what point how, you know, we, it'd be great if we could help everybody all the time. And, um, but just being able to be out there and provide the care, um, for the, you know, few that we do see in, in, in the, in the Toronto area and that in New York region especially, um, just knowing that those that we do reach out and touch to and are able to help with, um, they're very grateful. Um, I've had clients as we're leaving, one lady got quite visibly upset and emotional and her caregiver just relayed to us that she was just so over, overwhelmed with gratitude that we would care enough to come out and clean her teeth for her. Um, yeah. It was moving. Yeah. Um, and a very quick com- editorial comment from me. That is, if I understood you right, you said that dental hygienists can deliver services on their own initiative. That mm-hmm. is, that they don't necessarily need to have a reference or an order from a dentist. No, since 2007, an Ontario dental hygienist can apply to become self-initiated, and under that status um, that we can work without working with a dentist, there are dental hygiene clinics uh, opening up around the province as well. There you go. Felicia, what is the message you would like to pass to the healthcare system about the importance of oral health and healthcare generally in relation to the role of family caregivers who travel the road that you've traveled, what's your message to the health system? It's a long one, but I'll, I'll abbreviate <laughs> it. Okay. So um, those of us whose lives have been shattered by this disease hope to see a day when services for people with ALS and their families are even more comprehensive. Of course, this should include more awareness about oral hygiene and the whole spectrum of infection prevention. It would also be beneficial if ALS clinics could offer more psychological supports to their patients. It's sorely needed. Uh, For instance, uh, many ALS clinics don't have either a social worker or a psychologist as part of their multidisciplinary teams, which, uh, given the issues and burdens this disease places on families, is truly astounding. So if families are unable to seek this support privately, they often don't get it because they're stretched so thin. It would be ideal if the healthcare system could also provide mechanisms by which patients and their families could become more proactive and empowered to advocate for themselves. More support for caregivers and families, such as respite care and bereavement counseling, is also needed. As well, there needs to be more awareness of this disease, as its prevalence is not as rare as one would think. And last, but certainly not least, we need to raise more funds for research towards finding a cure and hopefully treatments before then. Alicia, thank you. Now, we are coming to the end. I just want to make a couple of comments back to you. First off, I think this advocacy that you've both been talking about is profoundly important because healthcare is always under pressure to do more than maybe it's got the resources for. And the fact is that there has to be some lobbying and there has to be some pressure generated. So I would say from my personal professional experience, get lobbying, <laughs> one. Two, I'd like to also say that where ALS is a profound illness, a profound has a profound effect, but so do many, not being in any way derogatory when I say this, other conditions. 
which limit people's ability to do things for themselves. So the idea of dental hygiene is, among others, being part of a team that visits people at home, I think is fundamental to the future of Canadian and American healthcare. And that's the end of my little speech. Now, unfortunately, we are at the time where we have to, we have to close the show. So I want to say thank you to our listeners. Please do email us with comments and questions. And I want to say a special thank you to Felicia and Denise for sharing us with us your experience, what you've been through, what you do, your insights, and your advice. Um, I wish you both every success in the work you're doing, providing services on the one hand and advocacy on the other, moving the system forward. And if in the advocacy role you can think of another reason for having a, an episode on Family Caregivers Unite, please drop me a line because I would regard it, I would be very proud to do that for you. So thank you. Now, our next episode, we're going to be talking about stealing from mom and dad. Please join us, same time, same spot on the Internet. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 